0: be guide enough for the artillery, but my men would make very poor shooting if they could not make out the muzzles of their guns. Anyhow, I don't think that it is likely that the enemy will get across the causeway, however numerous they may be. Though I don't think they will, Colonel, certainly so far they have shown themselves contemptible in attack, and have never made a successful stand, even for a minute, when we once entered their stockades. Though they defend them pluckily enough, until we have once got a footing inside—' Still, these fellows ought to fight well tonight. for if they are beaten, it will be a death-blow to their reputation among their countrymen. Besides, many of them do believe in the power they claim, and, as we have found before now in India, fanatics are always formidable. After taking a look round at the colonel, the general accompanied him to his quarters, while the two aides de camp remained on the terrace, chatting with the officers, and then, after a time, went with some of them to the mess-tent, where they sat smoking and talking until midnight, when all went out. The troops were formed up under arms, and all listened impatiently for something that would show that the long-delayed assault would take place that night. At half-past twelve there was the sound of a shot, which sent an electrical thrill through the troops. It was followed almost immediately by others. The troops were at once marched forward to the edge of the platform. A babel of wild shouts went up at the sound of the first shots, followed by a burst of firing. The two aides de camp had taken their places close to the general, who was standing in the gap between the infantry and the guns, and was looking intently through his night-glasses at the forest. "'They are in a dense mass,' he said. "'I cannot see whether they are in any regular order, but they are certainly packed a great deal closer than I have ever before seen them. Those in front have got lanterns. They are coming along fast.' As yet the enemy were half a mile away, but the lanterns and the flash of their guns showed their exact position, while the fire of the outposts was kept up steadily. As the letter fell back along the causeway, The interval between the two forces decreased, and then the fire of the outposts ceased, as, in accordance with their orders, they broke into the double. The uproar of the advancing crowd was prodigious. Every man was yelling at the top of his voice imprecations upon the defenders of the pagoda, who were standing in absolute silence, waiting eagerly for the word of command. Suddenly the firing broke out again at the foot of the hill, and immediately a bright light shot up from its face. The edge of the dense mass of Burmese was now but some fifty yards from the wall that surrounded the foot of the hill, and the causeway behind was occupied by a solid mass of men. Then came the sharp order to the artillerymen, and gun after gun poured its charge of grape-shot into the crowd, while at the same moment the infantry began to fire by companies in steady volleys. For an instant the din of the assailants was silenced. Then their shouts rose again, and after a moment's hesitation they continued their advance. But not for long. None but the most disciplined soldiers could have advanced under that storm of grape and bullets, and in ten minutes they fled in wild confusion, leaving the causeway thickly covered with the dead. Again and again the British cheers rose, loud and triumphant. Then the infantry were told to fall out, but the guns continued their fire until the fugitives were well into the forest. Between the shots the general listened attentively and examined the country towards the town through his glasses. Everything is quiet," he said. "It's probable that if those fellows had carried the hill, they would have made a signal, and they might have been a general attack. As it is, the affair is over for the night, and the invulnerables will have some difficulty in accounting for their failure and loss. Now, gentlemen, we may as well have up the horses and ride back. We hardly expected to get away as soon as this. Well, Meinik, what do you think of your invulnerables now?" Stanley said, as the Burman, after picketing his horse came up to his room to see if he wanted anything, before lying down on his bed in the passage. "'I don't know,' the Burman replied gravely. "'They may be holy men, and proof, perhaps, against native weapons, but they are no good against your cannon and muskets. I understand now how it is that you beat us so easily. Your men all stood quiet and in order. One only heard the voices of the officers, and the crash as they fired together. Then your guns are terrible. I have seen ours firing, but—' through our pieces are smaller than yours. Your men fire five shots to our one. I stood by while they were loading. It was wonderful. Nobody talked, and nobody gave orders. Each man knew what he had to do. One did something, and directly another did something, and almost before the smoke of the last shot was out of the gun, it was ready to be fired again. It is clear to me that we have not learned how to fight, and that your way of having only a few men well taught, and knowing exactly what they have to do, is better than ours of having great numbers, and letting everyone fight as he pleases. It is bad every way. The brave men get to the front and are killed, and then the others run away. You were right. We shall never turn you out of Rangoon till Bandula comes. He has all our best troops with him, and he has never been beaten. All the troops know him and will fight for him, as they will not fight for these princes, who know nothing of war, and are chosen only because they are the king's brothers. When he comes, you will see. No doubt we shall, Meinik and you will see that although they may make a better fight of it than they have done to-night, it will be just the same in the end. For the next two months the time passed slowly. No attacks were made by the enemy after the defeat of the assault upon the pagoda. Peasants and deserters who came reported that there was profound depression among the Burmese troops. Great numbers had left the colors, and there was no talk of another attack. The troops being therefore relieved of much of their arduous night duty, the English took the offensive the stockades on the Dalla river and those upon the pan lang branch the principal passage into the main stream of the irrawaddy were attacked and carried the enemy suffering heavily and many pieces of artillery being captured the rains continued almost unceasingly and the troops suffered terribly in health scarce three thousand remained fit for duty and the greater portion of these were so emaciated and exhausted by the effects of the climate that they were altogether unfit for active operations Three weeks after the fight at the pagoda, a vessel came up the river, with a letter from the officer in charge of the troops assembled to bar the advance of Bandula against Chittagong, saying that the Burmese army had mysteriously disappeared. It had gone off at night so quietly and silently that our outposts, which were but a short distance from it, heard no sign of movement whatever. The Burmese had taken with them their sick, tents, and stores, and nothing but a large quantity of grain had been found in their deserted stockades. The news was received with satisfaction by the troops. There was little doubt that the court of Ava, finding that their generals had all failed in making the slightest impression upon our lines, and had lost vast numbers of men, had at last turned to the leader who had conquered province after province for it, and had sent him orders to march with his whole army to bring the struggle to a close. The soldiers rejoiced at the thought that they were at last to meet a real Burmese army. Hitherto they had generally stood on the defensive and had to fight the climate rather than the foe, and it seemed to them that the campaign was likely to be interminable. The march of the Burmese from Ramu to Sembuwan, the nearest point of the river to the former town, must have been a terrible one. The distance was over two hundred miles, the rains were ceaseless, and the country covered with jungles and marshes and intersected by rivers. No other army could have accomplished such a feat. The Burmans, however, accustomed to the unhealthy climate, lightly clad, and carrying no weight save their arms, and sixteen days' supply of rice, passed rapidly over it. Every man was accustomed to the use of an axe and to the formation of rafts, and in an incredibly short time rivers were crossed, deep swamps traversed on roads made by closely packed faggots, and but a few days after hearing that Bandoola had started, the general learned from peasants that the news had come down that he and a portion of his army had arrived at Sempuwan. Almost at the same time, other parties who travelled down along the coast reached Donabu, a town on the Irrawaddy, some forty miles in direct line from Rangoon. This had been named as the rendezvous of the new army, and to this a considerable portion of Bandula's force made their way direct from Ramu, it being the custom of the Burmese to move, when on a march through a country where no opposition was to be looked for, in separate detachments, each under its own leader, choosing its own way, and making for a general rendezvous. Travelling in this manner, they performed the journey far more rapidly than they could have done, moving in one body, and could better find shelter and food. Other forces from Prome, Tanu, and other quarters were known to be marching toward Donabu. It was soon reported that the dejected forces around Rangoon had gained courage and confidence at the news that Bandula and his army were coming to their aid, and that the deserters were returning in large numbers from their villages. The British sick were sent away in the shipping to Mergi and Tavoy, two coast towns of which we had taken possession, and both of which were healthily situated. The change had a marvellous effect, and the men who would have speedily succumbed to the poisonous exhalations of the swamp round Rangoon, rapidly regained their strength in their new quarters. End of chapter 8 The Pagoda Recording by Mike Harris